At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Knife Talk. I am Mareko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts, here with Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and the captain of the ship is back on board, Mr. Craig Lockwood, father of future cowboy Buddy Lockwood, is in the house. <laughs> uh, we are here to talk knives, answer questions, have a good time, give each other a hard time. Um, and I want to start with Craig because the last couple of weeks he's got he's had a whole lot of life changing stuff happening. So Craig, do you want to kick it off? A whole lot of life changing stuff. Yeah. So the baby's here. The baby's here. Um, he was a week old yesterday. Um, quite a traumatic birth um, for him and for Amy. Uh, but he's good. He's all healthy. We're at, we're at home, um, and we're actually moving house tomorrow. We started today moving some stuff. Um, but we're actually moving house and you know sleeping in the new house for the first time tomorrow. So it's been yeah, it's been just lots and lots going on. But um, everybody's healthy, everybody's good. It's yeah, it's it's all good. It it feels like a huge relief because obviously the last sort of nine months we've been you know waiting for this to happen, and you know stresses build and build and build. And when it when you know when he was born safely and, and you know he's healthy, it was just like. <sighs> breath of fresh you know, air it's just yeah yeah almost it's just like the stress just disappeared a bit you know so yeah if it, it feels good um amy's you know recovered really really well she's 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 doing well and um yeah and little buddy he's uh he's he's a big boy should we say he he was born nine pound three um which is heavier than both the twins put together when they were born oh gosh so yeah, so we were expecting, you know, another, you know, we had little babies last time, so that's what we were used to. But he came out, she's like, Jesus Christ, like get my bike, <laughs> you know. He, he is, uh, yeah, he, he's basically twice the size of what the, the babies were, the, the twins were rather. But um, it's all good, it's all good. So lots of night feeds being pissed on, and um, yeah, it's all good. All part of the part of the fun that we signed up to. 
Right. He uh, he looked like he got in a bar fight on the way out. He, <laughs> I mean, yeah, bless him. He was bruised and swollen to hell. So um, he come out head first, as you know, baby should do. Um, but rather than the top of his head, he actually come out face first. So if you imagine, you know, Jack, here's Johnny kind of thing, a face coming coming oh. out. <laughs> Um, which is which is, which is quite rare, apparently. Yeah, which is quite rare, apparently. So that the you know the top of your head is built so it to stand that sort of stress, um, right. but a face isn't. So obviously his face was all bruised, and you know he, he right. looked terrible. And we we were we warned that before he came out. They said, look, he, we can see the way he's facing. Just so you know, he, he's he's not going to look good. For maybe for the first you know four or five days. So you're like, oh, Jesus, there's something wrong kind of thing, you know? And um, so it was quite scary. But uh, no, it's good. He, he's completely healed. He's completely healed. And um, it's good. We, we've we just settled into things very, very quickly. But now we've got another huge upheaval happening this weekend. But um, right. it's all good. It's all good. Now, you had mentioned to me to remind you of some sort of weird story about prostitutes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yes, oh, I yes. can't forget these things, man. I mean, you can't you can't expect me to forget everything. God, that feels like a lifetime ago. That, but that was so. That was the day Buddy was born. So um, just over a week ago now, um, Amy wasn't feeling too good, and it was a bit early. But you know, she, let's let's go to the hospital. We said so. We took our bags and stuff with us. Get to the hospital. They wouldn't let me in um, because you know COVID is still you know ongoing thing, as we all know. And um, they just wouldn't let me in. So I was like, well, you know, I'll just wait in the car park until, basically, until she's in, you know, full labor, until the baby's come in. I'm not allowed in. So I'm like, jeez. So, yeah, went to the car park for a couple of hours, uh, went to McDonald's, sat in there for a couple of hours to keep warm, you know, like a real real bum. And in the end, I just thought, look, I'm just going to get a hotel room somewhere close to the hospital. As soon as I get the call, I can be there within minutes. So I go on booking.com and I looked, look what's, look, look what's uh, close. The the nearest place is it was pretty cheap, and I'm like, okay, this it's you know, right next to the hospital sounds great. Jump in the car and I go around the back of the hospital, and it starts getting a little bit sort of shady, you know. And it's like, oh right, okay, it's a bit <laughs> of a shady area. Mm. So I'm going, and this was obviously some sort of red light district. There's you know, there's street girls, should we call them, um, on the side of the road, and it's, it's starting to get dark as well. And I'm like, I don't feel really comfortable being around here, you know. Anyway, sat now, Bing, Bing, you have arrived. Oh fuck! So I look, and this—they <laughs> had the cheek to call it a hotel. This was a basically a house, um, like it, oh, almost wow. like you imagine, like an Airbnb would be, I suppose. Um, anyway, I get there, and there's—you know—it's not a hotel. So there's no reception. So I'm like, oh, geez, what the hell? So I look on Booking.com. I get the number, and I phone them up, and they say, right, we'll get the host to ring you back. So this this Chinese lady uh, rings me back about ten minutes later. She's like, oh, right, okay, she said, this is the number that you need to get in. It's one of those keypads. So I get in. And um, there's just people, like, in the hallways just standing around. I'm like, what the fuck? So I find this room that I'm meant to, meant to go to. I, I, again, I put my number in the keypad, <laughs> go in, and this room, my God, there's nothing in there, nothing in there but a double bed and <laughs> a packet of wet wipes next to the bed. Oh, oh, I'm like, oh, oh, this is this is a classy place. So I'm like, oh fuck, this what the hell? So I'm just literally just standing. There. I, I've still got my bags in my hand. I'm standing there. My phone goes again, and it was this Chinese lady. Um, and she asked if I'd like company. <laughs> like, whoa, 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 oh, whoa! For fuck's I said sake. my wife is literally giving. I've, I said I've come here because it's the nearest place to the hotel. 
And she was like, oh, 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 okay, okay, we should leave you alone, we should leave you alone. Anyway, you just hear doors go in and there's people shuffling about everywhere. And I'm just like, I'm not staying here. I'm going. <laughs> so I go back to the car park and I end up sleeping in the car park. But I mean, yeah, it was basically a brothel. And you, it was clearly rented by the hour, the, these, these rooms. You, you booked you a brothel. You'd never think it on Booking.com looked like a lovely place. These pictures obviously weren't <laughs> at, the, at the same place. But Jesus Christ. Um, and in all my haste then, so, so I asked, I'd actually left um, a set of keys there. So when I got in, I threw oh. a set of keys on the bed. Anna. So it was only the next day once the baby was born and I get an email from Booking.com saying, you need to check out. I'm like, oh, I didn't stay there. You know, it's fine. It's all good. They're like, fuck, I left keys there keys to the house so i need to go back and get these keys but i went back in the daytime and it would looked it looked like a completely normal normal place there's no street walkers um there's nobody touting for business it's completely normal but it was just like geez the the night my my wife is giving birth i'm checking into a fucking broth <laughs> yeah and oh. then the next day, the baby's born, and you got to go back to the whorehouse. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's exactly what I said to Amy. I said, right, I need to go back to the brothel and get the keys. I'll be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> it's just like, oh, Jesus That Christ. is hilarious. That's going to be a great story for Buddy's birth. Yeah. yeah. Where were you, Daddy, when I, yeah, when Mummy was in labor? <laughs> wow. I was, I was in a French whorehouse, if you, if you really want to know. <laughs> if you really want to know. Uh, yeah. Jesus that's Christ, that's a story. Yeah, but uh, once she was in sort of active labor, I was allowed in, and um, we were in for five, six, five, six days, I think, um, oh. and it was like a hotel, like, you know, a proper hotel, not a whorehouse. <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah, it just felt nice. It was really relaxing. They were bringing us, you know, bringing us three-course lunches and dinners, and it was, it was yeah, wow. it was, we could, we could have got used to that, but um, yeah, uh, you know. We're back to back to life, back to reality. Yeah, man, what a what a Skid Row versus High Society situation you were in yeah. for like for like twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah, it was just like ugh, unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm getting emails stories. then from Booking. You know, would you rate it or stay? And I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking rate it now. So I'm replying with these things. with my ratings. Oh, Your rating geez. is like the uh, the eggplant emoji. <laughs> the wet wipes were a little too dry a bit moist next a bit moist the next time please yeah. well it was nice that they offered you companionship i mean that's kind of like you know unsolicited room service within seconds of me walking yeah. in the door my phone went and it was like would you like company like, jesus christ and it took me a while to realize what she meant and it was like ah 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 no it's quite okay thank you um meanwhile there's some other guy with his hand up my wife you know <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> what a what a what a sordid situation. It really was, yes. But um, yeah, All that's hilarious. Ends well. Holy smokes! So thanks, thanks to Fingal and to uh, Neil for standing in. Um, it's been two great shows. I'm sure I've been gone. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, listeners, you, I am back. <laughs> oh come on, man! We, we, we everyone was wanting. You know no, what? I have a ton of feedback. I have a ton of feedback. Of oh, people right. sending okay. their best regards and hope everything's well and welcome, buddy. Nobody guessed buddy, by the way. Nobody, the name. no. Not one person. And I'm shocked because my uncle's name was Buddy. I should have, I should have even, I didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> but no, no, no. It was a, you know, you were, you were missed and everyone was saying, what's going on? What's going on? People are saying, what, what's happened? Is the baby born? What do you know? What do you know? <laughs> everyone wanted, was cheering for you, dude. Good stuff. Good stuff. So what's been going on with you two? Because we haven't spoken for two weeks. So what's been going on? 
Morocco, how are you? What's going on? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm not for me, not a lot. Uh, just regular standard knife work. Um, I did have a blade crack on me though this last week, which was weird because uh, the so, way Morocco. Just to interrupt a second, I just yeah. want to set the scene for everybody at home listening or in the shop wherever you are. Morocco, I could see Morocco's screen. Uh, Morocco's place where he is. <laughs> and he's got, like, the flags of the world behind him, as if he's at, like, NATO or some sort of UN summit. It's great. So I'm, I'm half expecting, like, Putin to dial in at any second and Morocco <laughs> to sort this whole thing out. My wife is a world traveler. All these flags are from every country she's been to. Oh, wow. Um, and wow. so, yeah, she's been to uh, all every continent except for uh, Antarctica. Uh, she's even been to North uh, Korea. She's been She's been all over. Well, um, her favorite is the Welsh flag, by the way. Yes, dragons. Can't beat the know. dragons. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> whilst you just mentioned Antarctica, remind me in the after show to talk about the Arctic. Okay. Anyway, sorry, I put you off your stride there. No, you're good. Uh, so, yeah, I cracked a blade, um, which <laughs> took an inch off of it, and not from the tip, but down at the heel, which is kind of tricky because it's an integral. And so I'm trying to decide now if now the bolster is too far back behind the heel and if I need to grind that integral bolster all the way down and make it a flat blade instead of an integral blade. Um, so that's that's super fun. Other than that, uh, I got an interview coming up with J.D. Smith, uh, the great and powerful and super knowledgeable and a living legend of our knife-making uh, industry. I'll be chatting with him on Tuesday, so I've been kind of getting prepped for that. Uh, what else? Oh, last night for St. Patrick's Day. So Fingal sent us all care packages, um, and so we made a feast of ours last night. And so we had like six or seven different cheeses and five different meats and on these biscuits and... Uh, some bread that I baked and some fresh fruits and baked the brie with some garlic and thyme. And it was awesome. It was so good. Nice. Fingal sent some serious cheese over here. Yeah. It was he amazing. messing around. It was amazing. His stuff's very good, isn't it? Very, God very damn. good. God damn. It was like we, my, my kids and my, my wife and kid were like, what have we been doing over our lives? Have we been missing <laughs> out on this cheese? This is awesome. Just yeah. so great. What about you, Jeff? It's been uh I'm I'm like a puddle. I'm a, I'm a, I'm exhausted and I'm tired and and it's I knew that March and April are going to be brutal and they're going to be as brutal as I expect. Um backing it up, backing it up. Uh Fingal and Neil were amazing, but just to give a little bit of a little bit of perspective, um Mareko was kind enough to say, "Hey, listen, let's why don't we get why don't we get Neil on?" The podcast and and uh, last week which we did and we recorded at a normal time on Friday and you know listen he had a, he was excited and he got his you know his situation squared away and this this podcasting recording suite you can't when you you can't see everything and one of the things I couldn't see was the fact that his system that he was using was not recording so we did two hours. It was a great show, and we answered all these questions, and it was fun, and it was like blah, 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 blah. I press stop, and it says, Jeff recording, you know, hour and 50-something minutes. Mareko, hour and 50-second minutes. And then Neil, 28 seconds. Oh. And my heart <laughs> fucking dropped, and it was a lot of it was because... You know, the, this system's still not 100% foolproof, and that's just the way it is, and there was no way for me to see it, and it was a total drag, and Neil was such a champion. 
And Neil and Mareko were such champions, and they just said, let's do it again. So we did it again the next day. And, you know, Neil went out and got new headphones because we, we couldn't use the wireless. And, and it, we had to do a whole new show. It was a, it was a, we, we thought we were going to just do it the same thing. But I was like, you know what? I got so much interesting perspective talking to him the first time that right. we used it the second time. I used that information and it really kind of fleshed out a lot of information. And one of the things that was fascinating to me was he's much more complicated than people give him credit for. One of the things that Neil, Neil doesn't do a lot of talking on his videos. Maybe he's got the hair out. He looks like, you know, Asian Conan, you know, cutting through shit. And he looks, you know, he looks like he's awesome in the beautiful knives, but he's so goddamn smart and he's so well well-spoken in regards to business and all of it. And it was really, really refreshing to hear. And I found myself realizing that I'm far more in tune with his thinking than probably most knife makers. Like I, I really identify with a lot of his perspectives and stuff. Like that. And I just wanted to say that the, um, it was a lot of fun and, and Mareko, thanks for kind of putting that together. Uh, that was really kind of neat. Well, and I appreciate the hard work that you did because yeah, it was a complete drag to get to the end and realize basically none of his audio recorded. Uh, so you were able to get that together and also be flexible as well to, uh, record and yeah, you know, like you say at the top of the episode, like you got into the shop early and you, you were up at four and grind grinding and forging and doing all kinds of prep work and stuff before to kind of compensate for potential lost time of record or not potential, but the lost time, um, of recording the podcast the second time around. So, well, listen, we can't take all the credit. Was, the show was, must go on. Effort, for sure. This is the, the, the reason why we're the number one knife related podcast <laughs> copied by some and not well, I might add <laughs> is because we're consistent and it's just the way it is. And I don't fucking like it when we don't, I don't, we're every Monday, this motherfucker's coming out and that's just the way it is. Yeah. And, uh, he was awesome. I was really interested in it, but it was the tiring part was that I also did Lynn Ray on. I so we did Neil on Monday. I did Neil Neil Neil. I did Lynn Ray on Sunday, and then I uh, interviewed uh, Ben Paik of Wobie Designs on Monday. So I was totally zapped. And but the week is was fucking nuts because I recently have uh, we 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 brought on this uh, this guy, a knife maker. I actually, listen to the podcast. His name's David. He's a uh, Tiger Claw Customs. And he's been with me for two weeks, and he's been fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Such a huge help. Cool. Smart and funny and, and helpful and really... What's, what's he uh, doing? What kind of work is he doing? Well, he's working for me, and then he's working somewhere else. And he's just kind of like... He's been great. I mean, he's been great. He's, uh, he's you know, closer to my age, and, and it's there. he's a cook, and he's, uh, you know, it's just, it's nice to have someone not a child in the shop. You know, usually sure. I get these kids, and I got somebody who's, you know... Guy's been around the block. And he's used he's uses his head, and it's been he's been fantastic. So, so that's good. And then everything's just it's just crazy. And we're actually going to start. Uh, I'm getting some. I'm going to start to do some prints. We're going to start to sell some prints over Fader Knives, and we had a big meeting. And I'm getting some. I redid some new things, and we're going to start to get some prints made and start to sell those. And then. Neptune Sunrise is going all the way, and now I have some help. It it's like working harder to make sure that he's busy and we're we heat treat we did a, i did a record heat treating day we heat treated i've never really i don't really spend a lot of time doing a lot of heat treating in terms of like volume but we heat treated 16 blades one day and it was like well that was a lot for that was a lot for us and it was a really good system and david was awesome and 
Cool. Getting ready to do the sculpture, and, and now I'm, uh, I am I got the car packed, and I'm going to Dragonsworth Forge tomorrow morning early to teach a class, and the next week I'm going to be going out to the Center for Mental Arts to teach a class, and it's just, you know, it's just, I'm fucking tired. Nice. Super Is that tired. your friction folder class? Yeah, well, this, at uh, the uh, Dragonsworth, we're going to do tongs and bottle openers, and then the Center for Mental Arts is going to be friction folders, and... That will be the first print we sell is my draw, my progression drawing of the friction folders, which is oh, going to cool. be the first thing we put up, which will be great. And then I just got the forks came. The forks are so good. The forks. Oh, God damn. I love these goddamn forks. <laughs> and the, the making of the fork is great. And the New Jersey Steel Baron did such a good job with such tight tolerances. And it's like a breeze to put them together. And we're going to have those released soon. And I just feel, you know, I feel good. I, I, I'm like living at 214 pounds, which is like unbelievable. I like a different. I'm like a different person. It's crazy. That's great. But I'm tired. I'm fucking tired. I ju- I just looked at. Uh, oh, sorry, Tiger Claw, Customs. It looks like he's got definitely got some solid foundations. He's a great doing guy. Some solid work. So he's a. You know that's, what? He's got to be. I tell you to what. Have somebody with those skills already kind of established. I'll tell you why he's great. I'll tell you why he's great is because he's had years and years as a chef and as a cook. And he's got the mindset of he's willing to learn. He likes to learn. And he's willing to take criticism. And he just wants to get it right. And he's just like everything about him is fucking perfect. Right now we're psyched. And he's been with me now for two weeks. You know, not, not every day. It, it's too hard to have someone here every day because mm. I want to make sure that, that he's not sweeping the floors. You know, I, I want to make sure that there's work ahead of him. So it's been good. He likes it. And, you know, we, it's been very nice. And business is, you know, we're now it's no longer, you know, it's now we got a real payroll. We got four people on the payroll. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's exciting. Entire onwards and upwards. Yeah, listen, you know the knife making community is interesting. I, I think a lot about you know our listeners, and I think a lot about uh, you know the questions that we get asked and stuff like that. And I have to say that I do feel like there is this strange Peter Pan syndrome that goes around in the knife making community, <laughs> where you kind of like you kind of shun away from real responsibilities of you know, paying taxes and dealing with W-2 forms and dealing with real things and maybe lawyers get involved and maybe there are things that there's a little bit too much like, you know, Peter Pan, hide everything under the mattress and, you know, and the Peter Pan syndrome is great because it's really like this, you know, I'm a child and everything is childlike and stuff like that. And then they're also the first ones to tell you how you're doing everything wrong. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like everything's, everything's wrong. Oh, you shouldn't take money up front and you didn't do this and you, you're doing it wrong. And it's meanwhile, they're like, they're getting PayPal under the fucking, and they're putting it under the mattress and they're hoping that the government doesn't show up. So there you go. You got me on a tired day. Tired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you to Even Heat for helping you out this week. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. There you go. And actually, if you go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat, that'll take you to Salt Ceramics, who are a distributor of Even Heat, and you'll get $75 off and free shipping in the U.S. So go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat and order your Even Heat that way. I got a question oh. for Jeff. Shoot. Sure. You, you 
heat treated 16 knives. Were you quenching in oil? Were you using plates, a combination of the two? And if you were using oil, how were you cooling the oil down? I was plate quenching. I was plate quenching batches of four. Okay. I don't like to do, I don't like to do, I don't like to do five because I don't have, I'm always afraid that flask one's going to be. That last one's just, I just don't know. I don't know. And I also don't want them, you know, I don't want them sitting for ones for a short period of time and another for a long period of time. So I have three sets of plates and the offset serrated are very thin. So it's not as huge. It's a much faster quench because they're thin. You know, I don't, I don't. So then in between the way I, I, you got to time it out because the way the, you know, the oven ramps up, obviously the first time the oven ramps up, it's much slower, but then the second batch is much faster. So we did four batches of four and it was really, and that's, that's 16, right? For a second yeah. there, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I was wrong. But it was like, yeah, oil, oil I would have to have done like, I don't think I could have done it. I would have had to have sure. th- multiple tanks of oil. But with plates, with the aluminum plates, you know, just in between, you just I just hand, sit them straight up and they just, the, the heat dissipates pretty quick. I got you. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And so, you, people, so you're saying you did four knives in the kiln at one time and then you're right. pulling them out one at a time. Okay. Right. I just wanted to be clear. Yeah. Okay. I think people sometimes get a bit too hung up about having to open the door. Let's say you're doing like four or five knives. And they're like, oh, they're losing the temperature. And then... the fact is, you're not really, because it's only that thermocouple that's reading the temperature. That little thin probe, that's the bit that's losing temperature. As soon as you close that door again, it's only that little bit of air in the oven with that massive heat immediately is back up to the temperature it was. It hasn't yeah. lost hardly anything. Um, so yeah, so when people say, oh, you know, I don't like to do more than two, maybe three, I think, it, honestly, it, it, you know, there is, there is the, the point that they're soaking for a bit longer at that temperature, but with regards to, you know, the drop of temperature, it's, it's not really a problem, I don't think. Have you seen some of these videos that some of our knucklehead listeners put up where they open the door and they're slowly taking it out and then they're slowly <laughs> quenching it and then they're slowly closing the door? There's this, like, you know, I don't know if it's, like, stage fright from the camera or whatever, but I'm just like, that door's open for an awful long time, don't you think? I get, I just, you know, I just open the door, put it in, put it out, and the, it was like a, yeah. like a little of a dance, but I don't, I mean, maybe you're right. Yeah. I'm Everything cranky lined up, isn't it? Everything lined up, and you're, you're ready to go. The last thing you want to do is running around the shop looking for a pair of tongs or a glove or something. Yeah. I feel like Buddy today. I feel like I came out face first. <laughs> as long as you don't come over and piss on me, we're all good. <laughs> uh, you got it. You got it, Captain. No problem. Uh, you know, we because we had girls last time, we, we weren't aware of um, every basically every time he, he's exposed. Oh, yeah. He pisses everywhere. Every single time. And it's Dick like, first. Oh. All right, interesting. Yeah. Dick first. <laughs> you can get it. He come out dick first. <laughs> That's oh, right. Jesus. You're used to you're used to two baby girls who ain't gonna get it. You're right in the face. Yeah. Is that really happen? I I, I have a. I never had a. I never had a baby boy. I only had a baby girl. Oh, Do they really every time. Every, every time, time. Oh, right funny. straight up. The minute he's he gets a bit of air around his area. He's up and it and it and it's it's like a, it's like a whole sprinkler you system to, going. Yeah, you need to be doing it in a warmer room so there isn't much of a temperature change. What do you do? You just like try to. What, yeah. I mean, it, it is. A, it has to be a big surprise. Is do it you, a big yeah. surprise? Do you well, guys have like to, a pecan? 
Wait, what's a what's pea cone? A pea cone? <laughs> Whoa, I need to know. What's the pea cone? Okay, so a pea cone is basically like a little caution traffic cone that you That's can... The name of the, that was the name of Craig's hotel. <laughs> and uh, But basically, you can put it right over the baby's crotch area. So if they do start pissing, it's not flying all over the place. We, I don't... That's interesting. I never heard that. I And I think we only had a couple instances where the kid was like, wiggling around and start peeing out um you know while we we're trying to change a diaper yeah uh, we got i time. think we got lucky but every I think time they have those for like snow cones it's like a little gutter it's a little gutter yeah, that they, goes they're around all the kinds cone. of silly things but yeah okay dick talk we resume in just a second so i've got another story for you okay. combat abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size at unbelievable prices Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. And we will get onto knives in just a second. But yeah. I had a knock on the door uh, yesterday, and it was the lady who lives sort of – she's a, like the farmer's wife kind of thing. Right. Lives down the road. Um, doesn't speak a word of English, um, but obviously she'd been practicing, and she knocked on the door, opened the door, and she determined to say this one thing. So I opened the door – and she, in very broken English, but in very slow and sort of precise, she said, do you have a small cock? Oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to hold it in now because she's this elderly woman and she, she's put up a lot of effort into this. So I'm sort of giggling inside. I'm just like, I, I don't understand. I, you know, so it's that whole dance and getting the phones out and doing the whole translate thing. Um, what she meant was, would you like uh, one of her cockerels? Because she's got too many cockerels. But rather than saying, would you like, she said, do you have? And because we have chickens here, we have bantams, small chickens. Um, Yeah, so her translation was, do you have a small cock? Jesus (laughs) Christ. It was, yeah. It took 10 minutes, but I'm just like, what the (laughs) hell is going on? And I'm thinking... A part of this is, I think, lack of sleep because, you know, new baby and moving all the way, you know, as everybody else has to do. And I'm thinking, are these things really happening or am I, like, dreaming half of what's going on? It's just like, <sighs> next time a lady locks on the door and just asks you slowly, do you have a small cock? She may not be referring you gotta to you. you got to get a ring for, for future poor translations. Have you seen yeah. those, those doorbell, like, the camera things? That'd yeah, the ring camera, yes, yeah. Just so it's recorded, yeah. Um, you live in a very horny area of France, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think the horn levels in, in in your area of France are high. I think I think it's this. Everybody's been locked away over the winter, yeah. and um, yeah, spring's coming. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> yeah, fucking horny, yeah. <laughs> coming over the knocking on the door, hey, baby, you got a big cock. You got Everybody's a small sprouted cock. at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> do you have a little cock? <laughs> oh god she was what are, horrified i don't know what cockerels are it's a rooster a rooster yeah like oh. a, a male chicken okay yeah, yeah which is I, a cock I, a cockerel yeah yeah i thought it was some like <laughs> sort of dish or something like that with rolls and and no, rooster meat no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, rooster no. meat no, yeah it's just a male chicken basically yeah okay anyway shall we do some <laughs> questions sure are we, uh, what are we 30 minutes in nearly yeah 30 minutes i'm so happy you're back Uh, we need we need this kind of conversation (laughs) okay i'll take the first then um this is from j mod knives um at what point in hand sanding do you switch to wet sanding and does wet sanding finish 
uh, differently than dry sanding, or is it just personal preference? Ah. First off, first off, what what sandpaper are you using, Jeff? I'm using uh, Rhino Wet from Indasi USA. I love it. It's the best. Rye is the red line. I like my favorite ones are 220, 400, 800, and I do like the 150. And you know where I get them? Texas Farrier Supply. And if you go to TexasFarrierSupply.com and put in promo code Knife Talk 10, you're going to get 10% off your order, including your Rhino Wet. So go get yourself some Rhino Wet and sand away. Great ad voice. Nailed there it. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, are you wet sanding? you dry sanding? Where are you at the moment? Well, I actually, when I first started, I was watching an Aaron Goff video, and he was using soap and water. And, he, and I started to try it with soap and water, and then I used Windex. And what I noticed was personally on the not the uh, not the heavier grits, but on the on the very uh, higher grits, I was creating like a pumicey thing that swarf. I felt yeah, uh, swarf. Well, yes, and I felt as though I was creating some sort of pumice that's that I thought that it was cutting down on the J hooks. I thought it was cutting down on the J-hooks, and I was grading something that was a little bit more even. And I like it. So, like, after about 220, I'll throw in a little bit of, I'll throw in a little bit of Windex, or, some, or maybe once in a while, I'll, I'll do a little WD-40, and I think it's, I like it. I like it. Sure. So. Yeah, it does seem to give it more of a sort of cloudier, sort of frostier finish. Where that's in my mind, I don't know. Right. Um, but it certainly makes things easier. Um, I think because you know you it seems to be less resistance as you're doing it. It seems to sort of glide nicely. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a wet sander. Morocco, <laughs> what about yourself? I'm a dry hand grinder. Um, oh. <laughs> I I hand sand dry, and part of it is because I'm I I started out doing it with like a like WD forty. But it always seemed like such a freaking mess. And because I'm doing integrals, uh, there's some of the challenge with that. And most of the, most of the time, my handles are already attached. And mm. so I'm just like, it's this big, swarfy, oily, wet mess that ends up getting all over the handles. And so I stopped doing that a long time ago. And I just do it dry. But I do agree that... Um, doing it wet whether you're using uh, an oil based spray or soapy water or windex whatever it that swarf is kind of like a loose abrasive that adds to the polishing effect of the blade um and it's something similar to stone sharpening that happens um usually you you before you start hand sharpening on a stone you clean the stone off but part of that cleaning process also breaks some of that abrasive of the stone loose and so it's kind of a slurry across the surface of the blade so as you're sharpening not only are you abrading against the stone but that loose abrasive floating in that water um, and fluid helps to also refine the polish and so i can definitely see how wet sanding um, helps get uh, helps one achieve a nice high polish or satin finish yeah and maybe that's why it does help with the satin finish because it's you said you get that slight randomness, I suppose, because the abrasive has sort of left the paper and it's doing its own thing. Yeah. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe that's the, the cloudiness. Yeah. 
Okay, nice. Who wants to take the next one? I could take it. This next one is from Tristan Benedict. He says, how do you f- uh, feel about online knife making classes for someone learning? Uh, not YouTube, but some of the, the paid classes. Do you think it's important to have your work critiqued by someone in person as you develop your skills? So what do you guys think about online versus in person and mm. feedback and I, all I, that? I don't think I've seen any online classes personally. Um, I, I, you know, I haven't attended any, if, if, that, if that's the thing. Um, I'd imagine it'd be pretty difficult. Um, I, I don't think I they're think live. Maybe- I don't think they're live. I think it means like the Jason Knight class or the ah, Jason, oh, I Nick see. Rossi I see. Class. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's 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 always going to be a difficult one. I it's it's hard for me to say go to a real class because I haven't and um, because there's, there's you know where I live there, there's you know I don't have that opportunity here. Um, but you know there is a massive value. as much as you know people say you know YouTube and all the rest of you you know. There's a lot of crap on there. Um, there is also some really good stuff, and the, you know, some really valuable stuff out there. So, so I'm sort of torn with this. I, I don't really know. Um, I haven't done any any classes um, online, but I don't know. I bet I bet there's some good ones out there, and I bet there's some terrible ones out there. Sure. Um, so yeah, you you pay your money, you take a chance. I'd imagine. Can I do an impression of you, Craig? Go for it. Okay. Ask me a question. Do you think you should take online classes or in-person classes, Jeff? I don't know. (sighs) (laughs) And then I'm going to go like this. I'm going to go... But but really, it's... (laughs) You're you're still fucking around in the chair. You're spinning around like a maniac. Oh, sorry. But 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 the best chair. part Ooh, is I'm not, I'm not even in a spinning chair. All right, chair all right. Moment. Well, I'm telling you. But my favorite my favorite thing is I we've been doing this for so long. I feel like Craig likes to go. He listens. He goes. <sighs> there's this there's this sigh. Like now what? I fucking love it. That's my favorite thing. The fucking Craig sigh. That's great. <sighs> all right, so. Give Go me ahead. thinking time. That's all it is. <laughs> I know. I love thinking time. I love real time thinking time. I love it. It's my favorite. Uh, I think it, you get, you get what you pay for. I do like supporting people who do. I did buy Jason Knight's. I brought two of Jason Knight's classes. And by the way, every so often he he, t- he gives a major discount on them, and it's like they're really good. And he's he's very good. The way they edit it is very good. Nick Rossi's classes are very good. I learned a lot watching them. I will say that, especially when you're when you know this person, and you respect them, and you you. It does help. It does help, and you're supporting someone who's trying to do something, which I always suggest completely. Um, I think that obviously there are a lot of times where people just don't have the opportunity to take classes, just the way it is. It's, sure. Maybe it's too expensive, or maybe it's too much time. I, I know I couldn't go t- leave for a week to go somewhere. I, it's just like I understand. I totally understand that, and it's helpful. But it's like going to the gym and not knowing, you know, I learned how to go to the gym by watching a video. It's like, so there's little tiny things that you just can't pick up looking at a drawing or looking at a picture or watching a video. You just kind of need to have someone there to say, Hey man, you're, t- you're, you're standing weird or, or Hey man, you're using that ch- corner wrong or maybe you're holding it wrong or something like that. So 
it's important to learn, but it's important to do whatever it takes. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> I'm having a drink, actually, so it may be me sort of drinking. That may you that do nice. it all the time. Ugh. <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. Uh, I would say that... Um, for either an experienced person or inexperienced person, the real value of doing something either in a, in a live uh, streaming thing or if it's, which I haven't seen either, but I think is a cool idea, uh, but also in person classes is that you get direct feedback uh, or you get the person, you know, who's taking, teaching the class standing right next to you and be like, no, 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 stop doing that. <laughs> you got to do it this way. Or you misunderstood this or that or the other thing. This is what I meant. Um, and I think that kind of in-person coaching, especially for newer makers, is really valuable. Um, especially when you're learning fundamentals of any skill or a new skill. I think if you have a little bit more experience, then an online class can be a little bit more uh, uh, advantageous for you because it, it cost wise compared to a live class or in-person class, it's definitely a lot cheaper typically. Um, and if you have the experience, then mostly it's just learning little techniques and tricks, but you already have like a strong foundation of skill that you don't need somebody over there necessarily like hovering over you or beside you saying, you know, now this is, th this is going to be the very next step. And, and you want to think about this and, or, uh, oops, you're stop, stop, stop. You're going to cut your finger off. <laughs> you know, um, that's, that's, I feel like it's less of an issue for a more experienced person, but I think in general, I, I if you can afford and and have the time to do an in-person class there the the what is it the just like yeah just the in-person aspect and be that direct feedback and coaching is really really invaluable and will never be able to be replaced by any kind of online course but if you feel confident in your skills um and your foundation or or your abilities then i think you know online stuff is great for great for a lot of people really um, but if I was I just wonder. starting, it would be really hard to, to just learn from watching a video. Yeah. I wonder, I haven't seen anybody do it, but I wonder if anybody's doing any sort of one-to-one -one mentoring, um, which you do, you know, lots of other sort of skill sets, people do this and they'll say, you know, you can buy 10 hours of my time and you can book an hour whenever you want. Um, That's what the Chinese yeah. lady called you up for. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one to one to one mentoring. You see it in other sectors, <laughs> but I, I haven't seen any other knife makers do that or any other makers do that even. Like, that, a, that like consulting a thing, in a way. Maybe. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. if you're just starting out, you know, where you, you, you don't even know what's good and what's bad when you're starting out. But if you've got somebody sort of, you know, sandboard off every now and again, um, there'd be a massive value to that, I think. Well, I was when I was talking to Salem Straub. He goes to people's shops. They they he, they, wow. they pay cool. him to go to people's shops, and he and he oh, people. Cool. Neil took got Morocco to come out and help him. You know, mm. these people do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going to be working with our friend Rick Hall down in Reno at his shop. As a big dude, good yeah. dude, big man, big good I guy. Not in Reno. <laughs> did you did you watch him yeah. die? Yeah. Hmm. How'd that make you feel, Craig? Why do you get that so wrong podcast. Yeah, jeez, oh, what do you get so? I don't get sexy though. I mean, when I when I ask that question, I don't try to sex it up. <laughs> Jeff, do you want to take Seth's 
Yes. Seth Miller says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? I'm a chef by profession and a newbie knife maker as a hobby. In the kitchen, there's never a moment where I'm not multitasking. I'm always doing and monitoring a million times temps and processes. My knife making process is pretty much the opposite. I do one thing at a time and it's all my focus, usually slowly and deliberately. My question is, is there anything you do to increase efficiency that involves multitasking? Maybe Craig has a jig for hand sanding or in the bath in the bath. Yeah, huge <laughs> that's what I say I'm doing. That's yeah. easy. Yeah. You- <laughs> yeah. <sighs> hand sanding in the bath. Okay, uh, I'm thinking getting my uh, I'm thinking getting my cheeky fingers between heats might be in the way might be the way to go. What the fuck? I'm not quite sure what he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, that was your fucking Kit Kat. A cheeky finger. Remember a couple episodes ago you said you asked your mother-in-law yes, for if she yeah. wanted a cheeky finger? I was like, what the fuck? What is this guy asking? I think getting my cheeky fingers between heats. Okay, okay. Oh, thanks for the great podcast. I love you guys. We love you too. We like you. Seth, I, no, we love yes. we uh, we like you a lot. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking. He, he's asking about um, da, 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 um, how yeah how we can increase efficiency um, by multitasking. Um, and I'd say the easiest one is to, I mean he's saying he's working on one knife. I assume from beginning start to finish with his complete focus on every single step. Um, I think maybe the easiest way then quickly. Um, is to to work on batches. Um, so, you know, if you're waiting for another to heat up, you're waiting. You know, you're not waiting five times for five different knives. You're doing you're doing five. Um, if you're drilling, it's set up to do five at once. You know, there's a lot less setup time, I suppose, if you're doing batches. Yeah, um, yeah I'd say I'd say that that's going to be the easiest shot um, to be more efficient um, by doing small batches. It's so it's so much easier. Go, want, waiting for one is like I mean I I don't heat treat anything under than three knives at a time, and I have it, every different station has a different thing. I'm never there's never waiting. I don't like waiting around at all. I hate it actually. So when I'm gluing something up, unless it's something like I got to get this fork out the door for uh, some you know a little bit of this, a little bit of that, I'm always doing five at least five at a time, five to ten at a time. And then if I'm getting a little bit like stir crazy, I'll maybe I'll jump a few to the next stage and then, you know, but like, I hate, I hate when I'm like, when there's, when there's a log jam. So like heat treating for a heat treating day for me is a very easy day because I'm doing a, a lot of record laughing at log jam. It just remind, <laughs> reminded me of Big Lebowski log jamming. What's log jamming? It's a porn that Maud Lebowski was in. This is some show. This is some show today. <laughs> Craig's back and holy mackerel. <laughs> but it's like, it, I mean, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm for it. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so I don't often work in batches. Um, and so when, but when I am working on like, say I'm so some, I guess it depends on what the, uh, what part of the process I'm at and how much focus it requires. If I'm heat treating a knife, I don't distract myself with other stuff. I have to stay focused on there. But you know, if I'm, 
uh, I've in in the past before I've done hand sanding in between heats while forging knives, but also at the same time, it's easy to get distracted with the hand sanding and be like, shoot, I got to get back over and forge the knife. Cause it's been sitting in there for, you know, 10, 15 minutes when it only needed five. Um, I also think, you know, he says he's a chef by profession. He does a lot of things to be efficient with his time. And I, but I, I guarantee you didn't start out that way. Um, he might've been coached or pushed, you know, when he first started to, you know, while this is doing that, you do this other thing, blah, blah, blah. But I think with time, you, you, you can figure out your own efficiencies. Um, it's just figuring out, uh, you know, what, what can you fit in between some of these dead times, you know, uh, you know, uh, gluing up a knife, you know, you, especially if you're using uh, like a five minute epoxy or something like that. Um, you know, you can't start grinding on it right away. You want to give it probably at least 20 minutes, 30 minutes to start grinding. Uh, especially if you're using Corby bolts or something to hold the scales on. Um, but in that 30 minutes, what, you know, are you eating lunch? Are you just sitting around thumbing through Instagram or are you grinding on another knife and getting it ready? Or if knives are tempering, then yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's just, you just got to figure out your process. I, Jeff was talking about log jamming earlier. And I think the real key is what Jeff has done with his process is he has it mapped out. He knows what step is next. And especially if, if whether you're working in batches or on individual things, um, you know, what's coming next next. So it's not really a question of what's happening next It's you know, do I have another knife that I can work on while this knife is etching in the acid? Do I have another knife? poised and ready for me to start sculpting or hand sanding or marking, you know, all these various things that you can fit within those, you know, these 20 minute, 30 minute gaps between some of these different processes. I would say, especially if you're, if you're a cook or a chef, you, you know, your deadline is service. So you know what you need to have done by service. I know, especially now that David's coming in, I know exactly what I'm doing every day, and I know what I have to do to get ready for when David's here, so he's not just sitting around doing nothing. Like, I'm, I'm so organized daily that it really makes a huge difference, and it makes my life easier because it's, I'm like less cluttered my mind. Like, there's no running around your head cut off. Of course, I'm. You know, I can't. I misplace things every five minutes, but other than that, I mean, I know what needs to be done. It. Organize. I think everybody that is a little bit uh, too funzy with organizing, and I think you should be a little bit more disciplined, organized, and you should you'd have your life much easier. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Boom. Um, I like this next one. Um, from DTM Shenanigans. Um, 
I, I need to check that it wasn't DMT shenanigans, but it's, yeah, it's definitely DTM shenanigans. Um, and he says, <laughs> what knife-making trend do you, see, do you see taking off in the next few years? And why is it Jeff's <laughs> offset serrated knives? Fucking ain't right. <laughs> Damn right. I've seen a bunch of them already. Yeah. Um, trends are a weird one, aren't they? Because, you know, we, we keep talking about this. We're, we're not reinventing the wheel. There's only so many things you can do. Um, but when things, you know, become a trend, it's it's always quite strange. Well, here's the thing. It's based on what people want and need, you know. And it was interesting talking to Neil last week because he talked about how chef knives are so much more, you know, there's so many more people who use chef knives. That's the yeah. thing. It's, there are people in the kitchen who need things that they can actually use. And there are things that you can make based on things that we've used that's a little bit more current. So, I mean, the offset serrated was something that we used in the kitchen. And it wasn't a bread knife. It was a knife that was used for, it was like a, a utility knife that doesn't need to be sharpened. And, you know, to whip through things and to cut things. And yeah. it was something that I remember in culinary school, we had one. I, was, I said, actually, I would, after culinary school, I went, when I was in the kitchen with Ori, an Oreo, all the guys had offset serrated. I was like, what the fuck is that? And it was like, it was the banger. And it was the one that was in all the delis. It was the one that, and we used it. And then, you know, why don't I make one of those? I don't want, I hate bread knives. Who wants to scrape their knuckles on a fucking cutting board? It's ridiculous. Just stupid. So I know it's going to be fucking hot as people are going to start to make slick pasta forks. The the fork game is going to change because all these Italian chefs like Mark Vetri and all these pasta guys, they cook they don't like tongs. They use tweezers, but they also use uh, long carving forks. And and you're going to see a lot more of that pretty soon. And someone's going to figure out how to make tweezers easily. And you're going to see some fucking goose. Like uh, your friend uh, Will Brigham made some beautiful uh, stainless Damascus uh, tweezers. The tweezer game is going to be that. Someone's going to figure out how to make tweezers, forge tweezers, and they're going to be like, I can't make these shits enough. Tweezers are going to be big. Mm. Big in 2022. Tweezers. Telling you. Once they figure yeah. it out. You know what you'd probably need to make tweezers? Um, something with lots of attachments. Um, <laughs> just thinking. Just thinking. Any ideas, Marekko? Yeah. You need a badass grinder is what you need. Something that is super versatile, that can turn horizontal, be used horizontally and vertically. That has all the different attachments, so you have like six different machines all in one. I'm talking about a Broadback Ironworks grinder. And if you go to BroadbackIronworks.com, when when you check out buying your new grinder, make sure you punch in Knife Talk at checkout, and you will get automatically upgraded to the Morocco Deep Platin. It is a platin that I collaborated with Vince and Ryan on to, uh, you know, to really. It's got it's got like four and a half inches of clearance behind the belt. It it just creates a lot of versatility, especially in handle sculpting and shaping. And I'm actually I'm interested to see what kind of sculpture work that Jeff starts doing with it. You know, you you could do a lot of you can get a lot of crazy contours and and movement around that thing, Jeff. Um, and I'm also pumped to say I think I'm going to be presenting at the uh, in the Broadback booth or tent at Maker Camp nice. coming this October. Cool. It's going to be fun. So again, go to BroadbackIronwork.com, get yourself a badass grinder with all the attachments, and make sure to use Knife Talk at checkout so you get a free upgrade to the Morocco Platin. 
the tweezer attachment. The tweezer attachment. That's what we need. Don't You know don't what would joke. be slick? What would be slick Go ahead. are some Dharma Steel tweezers. I can see them. Tweezers. Tweezers. That is right, isn't it? Tweezers. Yes. Yeah, what do you call them? Sounds like a made-up name. Sounds like a, tw- like a, like a kid's thing. Oh, look <laughs> at my tweezers. Anyway, Dharma Steel tweezers would be sick. So, yeah, we if you want to get some Dharma Steel, head over to dharmasteel.se. Um, if you use Knife Talk on checkout, you'll get you'll get 10% off. But it'd be pretty cool to see some, some, <laughs> some Dharma Steel tweezers. When you did your little kid voice the first time around, you sounded like Stewie from The Family Guy. I've never been into that. Never really watched that. Me neither. It's too bad. You're missing out. Cartoons are weird. <laughs> when you're like at weird. a certain age. When you get to a certain age, cartoons are kind of weird. Well, well, and comics. But, you know, I've probably offended a lot of people by saying that, but I think, yeah, grown men into comics. Come on. They're called graphic now, novels. Don't. They're called guys, graphic novels, Greg. Don't go oh, into the right. DMs and bitch about it. I don't what if he takes bass and he doesn't like a comic book? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> That's why you don't like comic books. You can't read them in the bath. That's what it it's is. Like trying yes. to read this fucking newspaper in the bath. Yeah, it'd be a nightmare. <laughs> Where are we? Uh, are we got need listener feedback. We have listener feedback and tough dilemmas. You tell me. We could do some listener feedback. Uh, oh, do, yeah. This one comes from Nice Handmade Knives, who hooked us up with a nice bit when we did. Uh, uh, what's the weirdest thing you've ever uh, been asked to make? Um, hmm. Uh, nice Handmade Knife says, Ideas and Food is a killer book for home cooks and professional chefs alike. We did get a lot of nice messages about when we were talking cookbooks. Uh, oh, when you yes, get yeah. deep into the weeds through culinary artistry, is a, uh, culinary artistry is a, is uh, solid after, after the skill set is there. Chang's book is awesome, too. I used to work for him, and he is a G. Nice oh, Handmade wow. Knives work for David Chang. Uh, Will Miller says, he's guessing, this is old stuff, he's guessing... Your son's name, Pluto Lockwood. That's Craig's Pluto. son's name, Pluto. <laughs> okay, Pluto. <laughs> uh, Should have been. Leonardo Lee says, on the subject of baths, back when I had uh, fewer responsibilities, I used to very much enjoy an hour-long-plus bath with a good book. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, oh, this one comes from Brandon uh, Elixson. The best tip I've ever received from Knife Talk was in regards to the pan-fried donut a la mode. What a crowd pleaser. Thank you, Mr. Fader. I got a few people who made the David Chang fried uh, uh, pan-fried donut with ice cream. That was a mm. that was apparently the best thing you've ever said to somebody. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. Uh, Diego LaPen says, I was listening to the latest podcast with Fingal, and you were talking about hiding the salami and sausages, and someone suggested <laughs> hiding it in the cheese. Well, there's actually a tradition. Uh, I basically might... Sausage, my <laughs> Fingal got my fucking sausage taken from my from the border patrol, and uh, he hit one of the salamis. Uh, so, so uh, back to what Diego says as well. There's actually a tradition uh, of that in Italy, particularly in the South, which originated from immig- Italian immigrants trying to smuggle these products in the U.S. at the beginning of the last century. Um, we have some other things, but if you want to go into tough dilemmas, that's cool too. Oh, uh, yeah, go on. Let's give us a dilemma. Go okay, on. give you a dilemma. Give you a dilemma. All right, hold on. There you go. <laughs> okay, this one comes from Feral Boy Knives. Here's the dilemma. I would rather just make what I want. 
when I want and take my time. But I keep getting customer custom orders, and these fools just keep giving me money to make them stuff. <laughs> I feel the added pressure to hurry to get things done when they've already put down the cash. Do I take my time and release blades when I want, or do I keep taking orders and deal with the stress of a self-imposed deadline? I mean, it yeah, sounds like the Peter problem. Pan stuff you were talking about earlier. Well, I mean, it. I think it's always comes down to your your intention. You know, hmm. some people want it to be a hobby. You know, Mike Quisenberry wants it to be his hobby. You know, he doesn't want it to be. Per- I mean, he's one of the best knife makers in the world. He don't want it to be his profession. He's a yeah. he has something else to do because he uses the he uses. You know, some people just don't want it. It's, it's an age-old problem. Everybody wants to do what makes them happy, um, but everybody has bills to pay and, you know, food to buy and, and kids to look after. So it's a case of, you know, the ideal is obviously having, you know, the best of both worlds where you're doing what you want and it's bringing enough money, you know, to, to make you comfortable too. Um, but that's not always the case. Um, so, yeah, you need to – I think you need to be in a good space to – before you can consider doing anything, so you need to make sure you're comfortable that you, you know your bills are paid and every everybody's sort of happy, and then you can make good decisions. Um, if you're trying to do what you want to do and you, you've, you're always trying to chase money, you're never going to be able to make good decisions because you you'd always just you just need that money now kind of thing, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's not an easy easy one to answer because nobody knows what situation you're in. Um, but if, you know, if there's a queue of people to give you money, take the money. And if you can, you know, if you, if you can bank up enough of that to give you maybe a year to try doing your own thing, maybe do it that way. Um, but yeah, you don't want to be doing it where you're scratching around because then you're not going to make good decisions at all. I still really admire, uh, the email list. And if this guy has enough people coming after him and ordering customs, then maybe he's in a position to start an email list where he, you know, over a month or a few weeks, whatever timing he wants to, to put out these emails, um, then puts the work up available and, and drops, does it basically a knife drop, uh, through email. And then it sounds like he has enough demand that all the work that he's made, which is stuff that he's wanted to make for himself or basically doesn't have the constraints of customers around it. It sounds like he has enough demand that that stuff's going to be gone. And so he gets to, he gets to make that money, but he also gets to create the work that he wants to create. And and at that point, I mean, he's ultimately, he makes it sound like these people are like twisting his arm to build him his knives, but he has the ultimate control over whether or not he takes the order or not. Um, and so I would, yeah, I would say, you know, if you think you got the, the demand to be able to do an email list, do that and then take fewer custom orders. So, and also give yourself plenty of time when you get, a, uh, I think the mistake some makers make is they overextend. I mean, it's a mistake I've made is I, is I overpromise. Um, and then shit happens, you know, mistakes happen or I have to start a knife over or the pattern doesn't work out or whatever. I have to start over, and all of a sudden, that deadline that I had created for that person it gets pushed back another week, you know. And so, build it. Make sure you know that your customers understand, you know, or I guess understand yourself and your and your workflow well enough so that when you are quoting these people time, um, you know, if you think it's going to take you 
a week and a half or two weeks. Maybe you say it's going to take three weeks or four weeks. You know, a month turnaround, honestly, even though the people are really pumped and excited and want it now, I think people are willing to wait, especially if they, if you have enough demand and you have, um, you know, the desire, people have the desire for your work. They're willing. A month is nothing. To me, a month feels like a week anymore. So time flies. Take care of yourself. But, yeah, I mean, you seem to be in a good place because you are, you've got lots of orders coming in. So, you know, maybe, you know, just think, everybody, everybody always thinks that the grass is always greener, don't they? Everybody always thinks, oh, maybe if I did that, maybe if I did that. Sure. You may just be in, in just the best situation you could be in, you know? I, I, I don't know. We, we don't know enough about your personal circumstances, but, um, you know, you're not in a bad way at the moment. But custom orders are usually... I like what you're doing, but I want you to do what I'm doing, or I want you to do what I make. I want you to make what I want you to make, and then you know yeah. I I never forget when I'm, the first time I ever made a batch of knives. I made twelve pairing knives that I liked a lot with the orange handles, and it was the first time I did it. I think like twelve of them or something like that, and I thought they were sweet. And everyone's like, "Oh, those are awesome! Those are awesome!" Can I have a blue handle? Can I have a red handle? What can you do with it with a different thing? And next thing you know, I mean, obviously they, I sold them, but it wasn't like people people were like, I like that, but I like this color better. You get that situation where the guy's like saying like, oh, here's what I make. And they're like, yeah, that's cool, but can you do it with a different handle? And then you're just like, yeah, I could do it with a different handle. And the next thing you know, you're committing. And, you know, I say, my, I say, and this is something that from my old restaurant, Alva, with Tony and I were there with Chef, with Chef Scotty, and we were making the mess. Our, the uh, the accountant used to say to us, make the mess and just clean it up. So I, 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 I don't feel obligated. I don't feel obligated or, or stressed by a lot of orders because I'm not going to let anybody down. You know, so I make it happen. Make it happen. Make the mess. That's what I say. Make the fucking mess. I, like that I want to go back to questions quickly because we've got one here from Rob McKibben. Um, and this is for Jeff, actually. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. Jeff, on your your bell elk? Bull, bull elk. Bull, I think he means bull <laughs> elk. Bull end? Uh, your, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bell end? I think he means your bull elk. Oh, right. not my bell um, He says it's got a very clean brass lanyard tube with nice rounded edges. Right. Um, would you be willing to share how to do that with your tubing? <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking tell you about my tubing no problem <laughs> with your bell elk <laughs> i'll give you a bell i'm gonna show you you want the, the you want to know about the tubing of my bell end you got it are <laughs> oh, such children so i i i don't like i don't i like i had a hard time with the lanyard tubes looking normal once you once you drill the hole and you got the epoxy in there and it just like i felt like the edges were weird just like just straight through wood and and stuff like that and then i put one i put a a tube in and then i ground it flush and i just that looked weird to me and so i found this tubing uh that was very thin very thin walled brass tubing and what i do is is it allows me to kind of roll it over and I have a little bit of, there's a little bit of slop in there and it works out. So what I do is, is I drill, I drill, I drilled the lanyard tube, a specific 
size and then the 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 tube itself is a thin walled tube it's not thick it's very very thin and then i use i put the tube long i make it i make the i'm not doing a very good job with this I'll, I'll fix i'll fix it right now so the tube i put in it make it longer and i stick it in my drill and i drive it in through the hole that i've already cleared out with the drill bit then i cut it about an eighth of an inch on either side uh, extra and then I'll wallow out one side, and then I'll wallow out the other side. Now, by this time, the tube is tight in there, but it needs to be rolled over. And then I do about an eighth of an inch on either side, out proud of the knife. And then I took a center punch and rounded it. And then I'll take the knife and stick one end of that tubing on the knife over that rounded drill uh, uh, center punch. And then I'll take a ball-peen hammer and slightly kind of flared over and then to get it clean you take a rubber mallet and finish it the rest of the way an eighth of an inch should round it over then i turn it to the other side i do the same thing and then bingo bango bongo you have a rolled over uh tube that looks good cleans up easy and they hit it with the buffer and then it's it's a tight design and then if there's any you have any weirdness in your drill hole it'll kind of cover all that up did I have to explain that like right? Or Kydex rivet, like Kydex rivet is a rolled over. Yeah, the it's just like a Kydex rivet, but you're it. just doing it manually. Yeah. But the key is, is you have to have it tight in the hole, so it's so the steel itself is holding it. And what I do is, I'll finish the knife like to eight hundred, the, the handle to eight hundred grit. And the last thing I do is put that rivet on, because once you have it on, you can't really do any sanding afterwards. Mm. So and uh, the boys uh, John and, and Cliff do that in their in their uh, bottle openers. We were doing that in bottle openers. It, it's a pretty slick move. I know Pat Quinn does it too, and sometimes on his spatulas and stuff like that. It's a it's a slick move. You you have to find the right size. You have to fool around with different thicknesses of the tubing. You know, I mean, like craft stores or something like that. Did I explain that okay? Yeah, yeah not really so. well. Yeah, I get uh, it. Yeah, gotcha. I'm still brain dead. Canadians, um, you speaking of brain on. dead, is that that's the terrible thing to say? <laughs> oh How dare you apologize to Canada right now? <laughs> speaking of brain dead, Canadians, I didn't. I, that was that was all you, yeah. all you, yeah. Canadians. If you want in on this discounted knife gear, you know where you should go. You need to go to Maritime Knife Supply because they sell it all, um, and you don't have to pay you know, import charges and stuff like that because they're in Canada too. They're the one-stop shop. They've got everything you need. Um, if you buy 10 belts, you're going to get 10% off as well. Um, go take a look. They've got everything you'd possibly, possibly need. Um, so that's maritimeknifesupply.com. They're actually a Canadian distributor of combat abrasives as well. And, and Rhino Wet and Rhino Steak and even Heat. They've got it all, so go take a look. And just to let you know, I love Canada. I used to think New York was the greatest, was the food capital of the eastern, of the northern hemisphere. I'm, Canada might be the food capital of the, the, I, I, the food I had in Montreal, the both times I went, were mind-numbingly good. So I am a huge Canada fan, and I, I don't think, you know. You're backtracking. I'm backtracking, of course. Massively. My favorite people in, in Canada, <laughs> Noah Vachon, he's Canadians. one of my favorite people. <laughs> love Canadians. You kidding me? We did okay. get a message um, at one point. Someone said, how come you're always bashing Canada? We're not bashing Canada. We love Canada. Canada the best. There we go. Um, let's go back to a couple of questions, right. then, I suppose. 
Um, Uncle Sam Metalworks. Um, first, congrats to Craig. It's Craig's family. Hope he'll do well. We are. Thank you very much. Um, he said, I need advice. I've started doing integral knives, um, and I'm struggling with a flush fit-up between the handle and the back, between the handle and back for the integral. Um, I have a file jig and a digital level. I make sure the spine is at 90, and I place the file guide loosely and then level out the guide. I even place a, 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 a three-inch level to check the lineup. I go and hand file and Three foot the block level. At, What's a I fucking three-inch level? Three. A three foot level to check the lineup. <laughs> I go I go and hand file and chew up the block as a handle and have small gaps or not straight. Uh what else can I do? I, I must just say one thing. We actually did this question with Neil on the first episode and Mareko said the same thing. He said three inch level on that one too. It's hilarious. Really? It reminds oh, me right. of your neighbor asking about small cocks and stuff. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. There he goes. Yeah. Do you <laughs> Have a small <laughs> cock. <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up so much. Uh, I, I mean, my thing for getting... So it sounds like he's having a hard time. Is it right? He's saying he's having a hard time getting a flush fit up. So if you do it just on the machine, if you're, if you're grinding... So you got your uh, carbide file guides clamped onto your integral bolster uh, facing downward where you're trying to clean up that transition that then goes into the handle. I'm assuming this is a hidden tang. Um, if you do everything on the grinder, there's still just the slightest little kind of ramp or I don't know what to, to call it out at the edges of the bolster. It'll be nice and flush, but there, it just kind of slightly ramps up to the, to where it transitions to the tang. And I think the key would actually be, especially if you're first starting out or, um, or I mean, honestly, if, even if you're experienced is to use files, actually. Files are nice and true and flat. And so before uh, I would get in there before you harden the blade. Uh, one, because the files will work. But two, it's just a little easier to clean everything up. Um, but start at the front and the back where it's uh, the blade is very... Uh, or, or sorry, so the file is very well supported from side to side across the carbide file guides, cleaning up the bolster um, at, at, at what would be the belly and the si spine side. And then work the sides down to be flush with those. Um, but I would follow that, if, especially if you're doing this before heat treat. I would follow that with a carbide uh, Dremel bit of some sort. Just a little small one, like a 16th inch ball head. Uh, to clean up the transition between uh, the bottom of the bolster into the tang. Because if it's too sharp in there, uh, it will. It, that's a potential stress riser. And where um, you know your tang could potentially just pop right off the rest of the blade if there's too much stress in there as the blade is transitioning from austenite to martensite and hardening up. Um, and so, um, yeah, that would that would be my move. I call that, I know what you're talking about. So if you're looking at the tang and the back end of the bolster, that transition, I would think it's, I call it webbing, which is similar to like mm, yeah, on the sure. inside of an angle, you know, inside a piece of angle, it's, it's rounded. You know, that's, that yeah. would be the webbing or like an, an I-beam, the webbing. And what I used to do, what I mean I've done is I get it close and instead of cutting that out, I, you know, I see it like welding, like you, you want to leave a little bit, is I'll get it close and then if I've seated the, if I've uh, bedded the tang, well, if you bedded the tang, it's not a problem. But if you wanted to, 
you could just bump the hole of your wood with a countersink mm-hmm. just to kind of compensate for that webbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then that way you're not losing any of it and you can just, you know, take a little bit, you know, of, of just a countersink. The, you know, if your whatever your hole is three eighths, you just sure. bump it with a countersink and then just compensate for that, that little uh, webbing. That's yeah. what I would do. That's a good call. I've actually, something I often do is in the handle material or whatever, even the space material, whatever is coming up against that bolster first, I do go in and I'll either use little like keyhole files or a, a Dremel bit um, to cut like a chamfer and that will help alleviate some of that, uh, some of the, the fit up issues that are, uh, that occur from that webbing. The file guides also, uh, Bill, Bill Benke makes a, uh, integral bolster file guide. And then, you know, when you have a file guide on there, you can just use a square, you know, you could square it up with the bolster or you can, I wouldn't use a level. I would probably use a square. I'd rather be square to the, uh, have your file guide square to the, to the, uh, spine, you know, and then you can look at it. Right. So. Okay. Cool. Um, any questions there in the list that you guys want particularly want to uh, pick out? Matt L says, "Good evening, fellas. I have a quick question. While I understand the importance of the fu- and the function of stabilizing wood for handle material, how important or necessary is it to use stabilized wood as long as the wood is relatively high on the Janka scale?" <laughs> Janka scale. <laughs> Janka scale. Gee. Is that a? You think that's a D's nuts joke? That we just don't know yet. <laughs> that's a, I've never heard of a Janka scale. Yeah, Janka these nuts. I don't know. I I'm I'm so cautious because some people have been trying to get us to say other things after after that. Uh, I imagine the density is an important factor as well. Is density a thing to measure with the respective wood? Guess I better look that up. At any rate, I'd like to prim- primarily use wood that I find here in California, for example. I'm afraid these are going to be one- uh, manzanita, madrone, and uh, coastal live oak. Someday I'd like to stabilize my own wood, but for now, it's down the road a ways. Thanks, guys. Oh, congratulations, Craig and Mama, and a warm welcome to Buddy. Won't be long before he'll be at the grinder with Papa Lockwood. <laughs> He's tall enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so stabilizing, um, do you stabilize everything? Um, I don't, um, this, um, well, actually I, I stabilize more wood than not now, um, simply because I try to use more sort of localish stuff. Um, but particularly the sort of, the sort of rarer sort of African woods, um, which is always a bit of a thing now anyway, getting them imported in and some, some of it's illegal and there's, you know. The ethics of it may be a bit crazy, but a lot of that stuff is super, super dense. A lot of it is super, super oily as well. So that doesn't take well to stabilizing. Um, but generally, if you, if you go by sort of density, so if it's if it feels heavy, it probably won't do too well stabilizing, or it, it won't make too much of a difference stabilizing, rather. If it feels light, yeah, stabilize it, and you'll soon feel the difference in weight at the end because all those little air pockets, they've been filled filled up with resin, and you'll feel the difference then. Um, so that, that's probably a good sort of a rule of thumb. If it feels light, it, it could be stabilized. If it feels really heavy, it probably wouldn't stabilize too well. Your, your microphone wire needs to be stabilized. 
I can, I can, <laughs> is, is it still bad? Yeah, I can feel the DMs. Oh. Like I can, I can predict the DMs. <laughs> you have no idea. Okay, what I need say to change to my cables then. Okay, okay, I, we got to the bottom. It's not the chair. I'm not moving. It's I'm glad. Just, I'm glad we said it. Just because it's like, what's going on with Craig? I don't know, man. We deal. We dealt with it. I like stabilizing. I tell you what, though, I th- I'm spending a lot more time. You know, with it soaking in the tank than I used to, just because I just want to make sure I don't have any problems. I, I am such in love with G10 because there's no moving. It doesn't move. It's great. It's love it. But the wood, you got it. You really should consider it. And there are a lot of people who say some woods don't need to be stabilized. Well, don't call me back. I don't want to know. I don't want to call. I don't want to get that call back. You know. So I try to stabilize as much as possible. And I bought stabilized, you know, I'm doing the air quotes, stabilized wood. It is definitely not stabilized, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that's another thing. Yeah, nothing to consider. You know, not all stabilizing is the same. Um, it depends right. on, you know, the equipment you've got and, you know, how much care and time you put into it as well. Um, but also, weirdly, um, your altitude. Because I think the, is it the higher or the lower you are, you can pull less pressure. Um, so you will have less success stabilizing. Um, but yeah, not all stabilized wood is the same. It can vary hugely, isn't it? It's not a set level, and now it's stabilized. Um, yeah, it's almost like a Janker scale. It's a stabilizing scale. <laughs> there's no, there's no uh, approved. This has been stabilized. Some could just been dipped in resin and stuck in an oven for five minutes. You know, could have been dipped in Janker. Could have been dipped in Janker, exactly. Janker, these yeah. nuts. I mean, that's, that's what... I don't... You have no idea what our listeners send me. It's just hilarious. Craig, I would like you to real. I mean, did you have any uh, points about this, Mareko? I mean, you guys basically said it all. There are definitely some woods that do not need to be stabilized, like a snake wood or iron wood, or especially like the African woods, um, or cocobolo, which are very resin-dense and basically won't take... Uh, any acrylic or any stabilizing uh, material. Uh, I think the key is purchasing your handle material from um, from uh, I guess trusted make or trusted uh, purveyors. Uh, and if you're doing it yourself, yeah, like Craig was saying, you know, kind of judge the weight. But I, all those woods that um, that he mentioned, I would uh, I would consider stabilizing. I, I, none of them sound like anything that couldn't be stabilized. Cool. Craig, would you lead, read the two down? Alex Cope, please. Alex Cope. Okay. Hey, guys. I started listening yesterday, and I'm loving the show so far. I'm currently living in England, but in two weeks, I move into buttfuck nowhere <laughs> in the southwest of France. From what I've heard, I believe Craig is also in rural France. So I'm hoping he can help with advice on where the best place is to get supplies of steel and flat stock are. Hey, Alex. But <laughs> fuck nowhere, pretty much. Your new neighbor. And, yeah, southwest, southwest France. That's pretty much where I am. That's all where Craig lives. Because they're so, they're so crazy. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Um... <laughs> Yeah, Alex. Um, I, I can send you a list. It took me a while to come up with uh, with suppliers here that are good because there's a bunch of things that aren't good. Um, so one is uh, Mercon, um, M-E-R-C-O-R-N-E uh, dot com. They're great for 
um, handle supplies, uh, materials, that kind of thing, and Eurotechni, um, so E-U-R-I-T-E-C-H-N-I, um, is great for steels, um, uh, and they're based in Thiers as well. So um, it's always worth popping. If you're in southwest France, go to Thiers, and you'll see lots of suppliers and lots of makers and factories there as well. So introduce yourself to the factories, um, and they'll help you find suppliers of things. I forgot about old Thiers. Yes, that wasn't yes, the place yeah. where Buddy was born, was it? No, okay. no, no, no. It did bring some tears, <laughs> but uh, not. And uh, oh no, I was going to say something else. That I, my wife would have killed me if I'd said that. But no, no. I'm glad um, you didn't say. No, what I it know. wasn't tears. I'm glad it, you didn't say what I know you said. You wanted to say. I'm glad you didn't say it. <laughs> I'm very glad you didn't say what I know you think you were going to say, and we'll leave There's it at that. There's a couple of things. We'll just that leave it there. Happened. Leave it. And my wife said, "Leave you it. Better not mention this on the podcast." Leave it. I was like, okay, I won't. Leave I won't. it. Okay. Leave <laughs> it. Maybe in the after show we'll see. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> um, shall we call it a day anyway? We're hour and twenty minutes in, and um, oh, maybe we have something to say in the after show. I have a stunning announcement to make. Oh, go for it. In the after show, you gotta play the gotta play us out. Oh, right. Okay, I thought. You, okay, okay. Are you are you finally coming out. This show is brought to you by the Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to the after show. Yeah. How are you all? Good. Feeling good. I didn't really have what's, a stunning announcement to make. I, I, I thought I did. I, 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 I thought I, <laughs> I did see Spider-Man. I took my kid to see Spider-Man, and I was... Oh, grow up, Jeffrey. I, we were slightly, both of us were slightly underwhelmed. And then after listening to you, and David told me I should definitely listen to you, I watched Ted Lasso, and I'm up, oh. to, see, I'm up to episode six, and it's fine. It's Whoa, the first just of fine? the first season. Of the first season, I'm up to episode six. It's fine. Oh, it's heartwarming. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's, it's, it's good. Beautiful. It's fine. I mean, fine. I'm kept, I'm still watching it, so it's fine. See, to me, it's fine good. means you could take it or leave it. It's all right. It's I'm fine. watching it. I'm on, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to watch it. I, I watched the episode. He opened the door, and the the boss's friend came in, and there you go. You know, they closed the door. Ah, and he looked yes. around. I'm there. I'm there. Yep. So. Yeah, I'm into it. I no, it's yeah. good. It's just, I'm surprised they, I'm surprised they pitched the idea. It's just like he's he's kind of like Ned Flanders, from the very Simpsons. much so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's brilliant. No, he's, he's great. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, I do love it. I do. And the music is great in it as well. It is very really good. good music in it. Too. Oh no, yeah. I, I, I'm listening. I'm listening, to everybody. I'm telling you. <clears throat> but what have I watched? I I tell you what I watched last night, which I think you would both love, actually. Um, Bad Vegan on Netflix. Ah, I just saw the. What's it about? I think I'm. T- I think I'm two or three in. Okay. Um. So it's about a New York restaurant. Um. I can't think of its name. It was famous back in the day. They basically they do raw food, just raw vegan food, but they sort of elevated it. So you know, it's not fifty dollars for a tomato on a plate. They you know they fancy it all up and all the rest of it. Um. But the owner, this this uh, lady who who basically she's in the documentary. Um, but it's all – I can't give too much away. But basically, they screw everybody over, everybody oh. over. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sort of made out that she has been screwed over as well, but you're never quite sure. Um, it's really, really – so I don't know if you guys watch Tinder Swindler. It's Loved like it. that, but for I restaurants. It's Yeah, it's like that, but it's all about this restaurant um, in New York. And it's 
it's gripping. I, I think I'm in four or five in now. Hmm. Um, and it, there's just lots and lots. It's a true story. And they're interviewing the real people. Oh, wow. It's really, really, really Bad vegan, it's good? Really good. It's good. Bad okay. vegan, yes. Better than Twinder yes. Swindler? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's, I think it's more – I think – Specifically for you, Jeff, I think it's more relatable because um, you know it's heavily about this sort of New York restaurant scene back in you know back in the nineties and, and so on. Yeah, hmm. it's good. It's really good. I just I... finished pieces of her with uh, Tony Collette and Ah, uh, yes, it was interesting. Yes, that first episode is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, super crazy. Yeah, and yeah, I also good. watched. I just watched the fifth season of The Last Kingdom, which is. <laughs> My wife calls uh, my Viking dramas. <laughs> Just like <laughs> Viking soap operas. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. It's it's entertaining. It's it's I'm not. It's not life changing or anything. But I liked it. It was good. You know what? I do have an uh, announcement to make. I'm going back to Barcelona. You are. Oh yeah. shoot! Wow. I've been talking to Homer, and I have had long conversations, and we were talking this week, and we're, I'm doing it. I'm going to be the first guy Man. in his, that shop of his. When are you going? Well, TBD looks like July. So, Ooh, it's gonna but be it's warm, I'm psyched. It? He's psyched. We had some nice conversations. We're doing something special. Uh, we're gonna do a special class where we do a collaboration knife, and there'll be some other things. So it's I, he probably gonna be pissed I said something, but that's the way. That's what you get with me, <laughs> Tomer. I mean, come on, oh, you know, it's gonna be great. His, his new shop it just looks. I. Fucking cannot wait. He's got that. That is the perfect shop. It looks awesome. And he's got an outdoor thing and we're going to do some cooking and it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. It's going to be great. I'm going to, I'm not going, I cannot close the shop down for two weeks. So I'm going to be going for like four days. I'm not, I'm not, there's no, be no fucking around. I'm going over there because I want to make sure we do it often. You know, I'd rather do that. So, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Leaving the shop is tough. Leaving the shop is See tough. See if you can drag like an extra two days out and come here I for two can't. days. I can't. You don't understand. Uh, there's too much going on. I got too much. There's too much going no on. Love. I wish I could. No love. Jeff's got a new boyfriend and I'm no longer, he's no longer interested. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> I quite, you know. Just because he's got a bigger shop. I get it. No, <laughs> he's got a thing. It's a fucking thing. You don't have a fucking thing. Come on, man. You got a fucking you know, some half-baked whorehouse, you know, that you, that you go to when the birth of your kid. I, he's got a real thing. So, yeah. you know. No, in fairness, in fairness, yeah, I, I don't blame you. But, yeah, it's, it's not enough time. Just I, just don't, I can imagine how it's going to – obviously, it's going to be really functional. But, you know, he's, he's got so much style. I can imagine it's going to look beautiful as well. It looks – right now, it looks beautiful. I mean – Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It looks yeah. dynamite. It's a dynamite shop. Yeah. I, I, I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. He and I got all fired up this week. It was a lot of nice. – got to do some drawings, and uh, that's going to be good. Just going to – in and out. be great. I mean, obviously, yeah, I'd like to. I would have loved to. You know, I've talked to Alex Pohl, and I know Fingal wants us to do something, and I know that you know I'd love to be able to, but it's just so hard to just go away for a long period of time. It's hard. Yeah, but I mean, once you're here and you're in Europe, everything is like an hour away. That's all. I know. But I mean, there are things I'm an hour away. Here. Fingal's an hour away. I know that there are things Alex going on Pohl's here. I know that I have. There are also people here. That depend- I have now Who four people you? on the payroll. They need you too. The four people <laughs> on the payroll. You know, it's like, that's the one thing. You talk about Peter Pan syndrome. There are, I'm now, 
not nervous about depend. You know, I want people to. I want to make sure that we do well. And I got David's doing great. Allison's doing great. Tony's doing great. Tony and I need to make some more money. We all need to make some more money. And and it's a sacrifice. And I'm and I'm not going to sleep nervous. You know, where I'm hustling around. I'm I'm ringing on. You know, people who owe us money, and and we're making it happen. We're gonna do it. When when you do these events, like going over to Florentine, do is it just you that gets paid, or or does it go through like? Do you guys have an escort? I assume because you have a payroll. What are you talking about? For your company, and, well, and then Florentine would pay the company, and then the company. company yeah, everything pays goes you. through Fader Knives. Every okay. the podcasts go through Fader Knives. Everything's going through Fader Knives. Everything's everything's bad. Now I'm gonna we're gonna be <laughs> with the goddamn you know. The goddamn podcast and Tony and I are talking about the fucking media wing. He, I mean, he and I got a. We have a meeting. We have <laughs> media. We wing. have a fucking <laughs> yo. We have a one one. We have a meeting once a week, and we have to go over the fucking the, the billing. So it's yeah. It's I'm like we should do a fucking media wing from the jeep to the media. That's wing. right, baby. Fucking yeah, we're <laughs> adults, man. Adults, fucking taking it on, no problems. Make the mess. Nice. And we're not really nice. doing a media wing but we do have to talk about it i mean we do talk about you know some sort of dedicated space well yeah. here's the thing about the podcast knife talk is so much fun hanging out with you guys is so much fun and creating this like fucking radio show is fun and full blast is too the f- the fact remains is it pays for my time to do it and i'm not physically you know it's there's a value i mean there i'm it's going to the payroll the the podcast go to the payroll and it helps keep this fucking machine going. So everything is a thing. Cool, cool. I'm excited for you. I'm excited. I'm sure you know it's going to be amazing. Well, I had to make sure that I was the first guy, and the, and the rest of these flea bags know how it is. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, I couldn't be the. I couldn't take sloppy seconds in there. There's just no way. No. No good for anyone. <laughs> Shall we call it a day then? Well, what, what else? Let's. Well, this is the after show. What's after? I mean, we yeah, anything else? What should we be watching? What should we be reading? Wordle's over with Craig. Craig's done with Wordle. Oh, I'm done with. He's the, he's yeah. been done for a while. That's that's your move. You you hate Wordle. It, I don't hate it. It it got too. Have you heard of Hurdle? There's a there's a Hurdle girdle skirt. There's a there's this. Uh, I, Hillary plays Hurdle. And it's like name that song. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, her H. I think it's H. I don't know if it's it's H U. I'll send you. I'll let me find. Let me find out. But it's it's. So they like, like play an intro or something, and you yeah, guess the yeah. Song. How and how oh, many I'm seconds can you figure that. it out? Yeah. It's great. Oh, Hillary. My Hillary says to me, "Did I you play Hurdle?" Game. I'm like, "No, I don't play the fucking Hurdle." No, no, <laughs> I might be into that one. Yeah, no, no. It's yeah. like how many seconds does it take you to guess the song? Bring it up. Let's do one. Bring it up on your phone. I don't have it. I don't. I told oh, her I can't fuck fucking sake. do it. It must be a website, right? All just right. Like let me Wordle. see. All right. Let me see if I can find it. You guys talk. Uh, something I forgot to mention <laughs> yesterday. I so it was St. Patrick's Day yesterday, uh, and mm. we went. I don't even know why I just said that because it doesn't have anything to do with St. Patrick's Day. Anyways, we have a wild cat or what's called a wild felid sanctuary, and so morons. Uh, get themselves animals that they're completely unprepared to own and take care of, like mm. bobcats what? and tigers and lynx 
and all this stupid shit or animals the, wow. that are half bred, bred with like house cats so they have the markings of um so they have the markings of some of the smaller wild cats but they have but they have the attitude of uh, like a house cat but sometimes it looks like a house cat, has the markings, but it also has the fucking attitude, and people cannot handle them. So anyways, the sanctuary is not far from me, and we went up, and we did a tour, and I think my wife and I are actually going to start doing some work to like help support the... Because it's a complete nonprofit. Every, everybody there is a volunteer. Um, it was really, really incredible to see these animals like so up like a, a fucking one and, and we're like three three feet away from their fences and there was a cougar and the fucking thing is a giant um mm. and it was gorgeous though but it was like stalking us from across its pen and then it ran oh. straight at my wife and she she like held her own and just stood there because we're outside of the fence but it was she's like I've never fucking experienced anything like that before in my life because it's just like this monstrous animal coming right at you. But, um, jeez. But it, it's heartbreaking too at the same time because, like I said, these fucking dum dums are buying or getting a hold of these animals thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. I'm going to own a cougar. And it's like, uh, no, it just doesn't work out. Yeah. And so this rescue does not breed any animals. It doesn't, um, it it doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. It it, it just you know it tries to give these animals a, a place to live the rest of their lives out, um, because the people that so they'll never go to the wild. No then. no 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 definitely not. No, yeah. all, all of them came from domestic households and they have not been raised right. properly to be able to handle anything like that. Hmm. Um, well, <laughs> you try to live in my house for a week, I'll <laughs> soon teach them. <laughs> Hillary sent me that it's called Hurdle, H-E-A-R-D-L-E dot app. You want to play? Go on, let's do right, it. Yeah. Ready? So he's going to play the first. I gotta get up. Whoops. Hold on. That's the first 16 seconds. Brilliant. <laughs> this is great radio. That was it? Well, let me do another one. You want to play it again? I, I mean, it sounds familiar, but I cannot think of it. All right, I'll do another one. An extra. <laughs> Nothing? Are you, like, winding me up? Or is <laughs> <No>. it? <laughs> well, like it is. Listen, I'll do another one. I skipped it. They all sound the same. It's not the same. Um. Oh. It's, uh, Go ahead. What the fuck? That electronic band. Harder, faster. Daft Punk. Yeah, Daft Punk. Is it what, Harder, faster, stronger. Is it, should I, should I put, I'll put in Daft Punk. <laughs> Play along at home, kids. <laughs> not working here. Let me do another here. Oh, this is shit. This is absolute shit. <laughs> so what happens if you answer Daft Punk? You can... All right, I'm going to answer Daft Punk. Daft fucking punk. Daffy punk. Daft Punk. Submit. No, it's not Daft Punk. So you're looking for the name. You know the artist or the title. Let's do the last one. Is it not Harder, Faster, Stronger? Or maybe that's the fucking... 
uh, unlucky. You didn't get it. Didn't get it. So that's it. Hurdle fucking sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's some yeah. there's some days where it's like you know Whitney Houston or something like that, and you can figure it out in the first. But if you do a hurdle, that one was a bad. Oh, I one. see. It's one a day. Yeah, okay. so you want a day just like Wordle, just but you like have to Wordle. try to figure out how many times you can... Listen, I guys, we tried to do something live. It didn't work. It's just the way it is. I mean, you know, <laughs> should have called the Chinese lady. At least that we're daring better. enough to try. We should have asked for some company, yeah. <laughs> yeah, could use a little company. Yeah. Right, well, look, have a good weekend. Oh, I, something else that I watched as well. Let, let me bring it up. Um, I finally had a bath this week. Oh, good. <laughs> You sent me a picture. It was lovely. Um, it was called. Um, you did see a picture. He fucking sent me a picture, like a Ricky Gervais <laughs> picture. His fuck. I gotta <laughs> tell. His I mouth was, was below. Soapy water. His mouth was below the <laughs> fucking. Oh. <laughs> below the water. in the ball soup. <laughs> the ball soup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, um, a film, <laughs> Netflix film called Against the Ice, uh, and it's set back in sort of nineteen oh seven, nineteen oh nine. I think it was. Um, and it was people um, from Denmark going to Greenland from where those fucking Americans were claiming it was theirs. They were saying it's attached to America. It's attached to North America. We're going to take it. Um, so these guys had to go and, and prove that it wasn't attached. Um, but they were there for three years in the Holy Arctic. Smokes. Waiting to be rescued. And there's, they were attacked by bears and stuff. Really, really good film. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, against the ice. Against the ice. A true story too. It 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 really happened. So I just yeah. I just got a text from Tony. Um, apparently, part of it's going to be <laughs> part of the trip to Barcelona is we're going to be Tony and I are going to be cooking. So Tony also got the email. And he just wrote to me, "Show those bitches how to really make paella." <laughs> <laughs> Tony's the uh, fucking man. I fucking love that guy. <laughs> those bitches. <laughs> Uh, what are we going to call today's show? What you <sighs> Craig's back, baby. Craig is back. Guess who's back? Craig's back, back baby. Back again. Right. Oh, okay. oh, oh, sorry to, dis- I might not be- sorry to disappoint everybody, no, but I'm back. Uh, anyway. You, might, you guys are going to have to figure something out. I'm not going to be on next week because I just the timing of everything. I, I have, I'm leaving Friday morning uh, for – leave Friday morning for uh, the Center for Mental Arts. So I'm not going to be back till Monday. Okay. So okay. I've got a number I can call. She said if you need company, just give me a call. So we'll, we'll get her on next week. <laughs> That's it. I'm with that. That's the show. Bye for yeah, now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.